0: Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side by side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Chapter 8, uh, verses 26 to 40 is where we are. That's this passage of Scripture uh, that I just held before you. Acts chapter 8, uh, verses 26 through 40. And we want to really be asking the questions this morning, not uh, where you sit or where you flabbergasted when you came in this morning. Uh, we want to ask more serious questions. How far does the gospel really go? And how's the gospel going to get there? What is the means? What is the method? And how far does the gospel Really go. And you realize that questions like this have several directions. How far does the gospel go? Are we talking geography? Are we talking places? Are we talking people? The answer is yes. How, how is it going to get there? Is it the work of the spirit? Is it the work of the saints? And we're going to see the answer to that is also both yes. And maybe there's another question in all of this that we'll see at the end of Acts Acts chapter 8, is how does the gospel go? Uh, Does the gospel move better or more effectively when it goes to the masses in cities or when it goes one by one to people in ordinary places, desert places on otherwise ordinary days? And I think we'll see the question, the answer to that question is both yes and yes. So far in Acts, we have seen the gospel spread with great power, and we've seen the gospel spread with great consequence. We've seen entire cities that were impacted rather quickly, often on a single day when thousands of people would come to faith in Jesus Christ, even some priests who became obedient to the gospel, often after a single sermon. And so we've seen that really highlighted throughout the book of Acts, that in these days of a single sermon, a single city, by the thousands would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've seen that in your own lifetime. Some of you were around for things like the the Billy Graham Crusades and things like that, where you would see masses of people come to faith in Jesus Christ at a time. Are those things more effective? Are those things better? Now, to be sure... Those scattered in persecution are going about, we saw that last week, individuals are going about gossiping the gospel, telling the gospel as they go. But what we've mostly heard about in Acts so far are those days when thousands and thousands of people would come to faith in Jesus Christ after one sermon. So much so that at this time, we've seen more people than the population, and can you imagine, of River Ridge itself Become believers in a very short period of time. Can you imagine that? Our whole population, probably including Harahan and Jefferson and beyond, are now believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, often because of one single day and one single sermon. Well, let's go ahead and consider some of our questions that I want us to be thinking through this morning. Things like, how far does the gospel go? We're seeing that the gospel is going far. We saw last week that it's even going to Samaria. It's, it's breaking down the walls, going outside of Jerusalem, even to the Samaritans who, who the Jews thought of as their term to be something like a, a half breed. They weren't fully included in the kingdom. The gospel is going with the Spirit's power through spirit filled believers like Philip, a man of good repute, wise and full of the Spirit. And when the gospel goes, we see it's going like fire on dry kindling. It's taking off and taking over entire cities. Well, the story that we hear this morning is, is a bit different. It's not entirely different, but it's certainly unique. And so the first thing that I want to consider this morning under this first big heading is that this is a story like no other. Let's recognize the uniqueness of this story at the end of Acts chapter 8. It is a very unique story. It's a story like no other. Did you notice some of these details? Go ahead and notice some of these details. Look even Acts chapter 8 verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Go, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is a story like no other. It's not every day that we hear the, the, the angel of the Lord come to us and, and tell us exactly where to go with the gospel. And so this is a story that is absolutely unique. It is a story like no other, some, some things that we don't experience every day in our life. And not only did an angel of the Lord speak to him, we see, that, look at verse 26. So to go to a desert place. Told him where to go, but look at verse twenty-nine now. Excuse me. Look at verse twenty-nine, and the spirit said to Philip. So the spirit continues to speak to Philip and says, "Go over and join this chariot." So, so not only did the angel of the Lord speak and tell him to go and where to go, go down on this road to this desert place, but he told him who to go to. So as he's going along this road, he says, "No, go over to that chariot. That's where you need." To be going. It's probably not every day that we experience something exactly like this. So, so this is a story like no other. Notice some other details about this story that makes it a story that's like no other, a story that's unique. Not only is the Spirit telling them where to go and, and who to go to and speaking to Him in this uh, very distinct way, we see that the place that He tells them to go is a, is a desert place. So far we've seen the apostles, Philip's not an apostle, he was one of the seven that was set aside, but he's a man of good repute, filled with the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, and God's using him in wonderful ways. Go to a desert place, not not, not a city of Jerusalem on a feast day like Pentecost, not not Samaria and and to the synagogue and, and places where you'll know that people will be gathered, but go to this common place, this quiet place. Along this road, this desert place, not a populated city. And, the, and notice something else about this story that makes it a story like no other. I don't know about you, but when I go about my, my daily life and I find people to talk to and maybe share the gospel with, it's, it's not often that they are teed up like this. You know what I mean by teed up? Like someone throws you the big fat softball and you've really got to be bad to miss it. Like, it's sitting up there nicely, and and you got to do some work to mess it up. Notice what Philip steps into with this Ethiopian who is is stopped on the road here in his chariot. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And not only is he reading the prophet Isaiah, he's he's not reading a passage that would be difficult for Philip to tie to Christ. All Scripture points to Christ. Some's more difficult than others. He's reading Isaiah chapter 53 that says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shears is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation, for his life is taken away from earth? This is the passage in Isaiah chapter 53 where we get one of the most clear prophecies about the work of Christ. It's, it's by his blood, by his stripes, that we are healed. It's by him that we have peace. It is a clear, clear, couldn't be more clear, prophecy about Christ and his death and what he accomplishes through his death, that our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. I don't know about you, but it's not very often that I run across people in the grocery store or the coffee shop or wherever it might be that they are reading Isaiah chapter 53 and they say, please tell me who this Christ is. Have you experienced that before? Probably not. It's a unique day, a, a day like no other for sure. It's very unique. And not only that, but in this desert place, it was almost like the Spirit had divinely prepared this moment. Not only is he reading the prophet Isaiah, but he reads, Philip explains, and this Ethiopian believes. And as we've seen through the book of Acts, as people believe, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. One of the the first things new believers do as they they go public with their faith is, is to do that by proclaiming that through believer's baptism. And so this... Ethiopian eunuch believes, and what you know, there's some water. What's stopping me right now? I've believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I've repented of my sins. I absolutely know I'm following Christ. There's water waiting for him to be baptized. And Philip goes down with the water with him, and he baptized him. And not only that, you see how this interaction ends the Spirit takes him away. It's almost like this Elijah moment or this Enoch moment where there Philip was and all of a sudden the eunuch saw him no more. It seems to be in this very supernatural way that the Spirit takes him to this other place. This was a unique moment, no doubt. And some of these details perhaps we don't experience in our our daily lives. I don't know about you, but I've never been... I hope the Lord doesn't do this right now. Uh, The Spirit takes me away to another place and you see me no more. And I wind up somewhere else. You've probably never experienced that. And so this is a unique moment, no doubt. A moment if you or me experienced, we probably could not mess it up if we tried. And you ever have moments like the ones where you think, praise God, everything happened the way it did because I would have messed it up if it happened any other way? This is what Philip is experiencing and this is the day like no other. On the flip side of this, and the other big heading that I want you to yes, this you've seen through the details of the story that that absolutely that this is a day, a very unique day like no other. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is this is a story like every other. In the uniqueness of this story, I, I really believe that that we see something in our, in our own lives, we have some commands, we have some takeaways, we have some truths that we see happen in this story that make us realize that our days maybe should and ought to look something like this. So while this story is unique, I want to suggest that it shouldn't strike us as too unusual as we answer the questions How does the gospel go? By what means does the gospel go? Where does the gospel go? How far does the gospel go? So what's the point to this story? I love how one pastor explains it. He says, why does Luke include it in the book of Acts? These are questions we ask about every passage of Scripture. What does he want us to get out of this inspired story? For Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, so even this passage equips us for every good work. How so? The, the story, he goes on to say, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch teaches us, as pastor says, and I agree with this, one, one of the ways God Uses to evangelize the world. He says one of the ways God uses because it's clear from the book of Acts that a lot of evangelism was done without an angel of the Lord having to tell Christians to go and do it. We've already been told through the Great Commission to go and go about gossiping the gospel, go about preaching the word. It's what one does if one loves Jesus and loves people. You tell the good news. Jesus already gave us that command in the Great Commission, so you don't have to have an angel of the Lord to tell you to do it, even even more, any more than you need an angel of the Lord to tell you not to do it. But on the other hand, we may be in danger of making another mistake, namely thinking that we can do all God wants to be done by simply evangelizing according to our own planning. And, and here's what he's saying, which I think helps us out so much. That, that, that evangelism and going about sharing the gospel doesn't just, just happen in, in pre-planned moments like this. Or, or pre-planned moments like going to a synagogue as they were preaching the gospel or going to Samaria or, or things like that. Absolutely, it happens in those moments. It happens on Sunday mornings. It, it happens uh, back in the day at revival meetings and things like that. These, these big meetings where the gospel is, is shared in mass. It happens at places like, like RA Congress that we just came back from where, where one of the men uh, shared the gospel with the kids that were there. Certainly, there are those planned times of, of sharing the gospel. But we also realize but we also realize that the gospel often goes about not just through prayerful planning, but also here it is, by, by listening responsively to the Holy Spirit. And, and I would bet if we went around this room today, this is how the gospel probably made it to a lot of our ears. Those were probably the moments when we believe the gospel. Maybe it was from a parent sharing it at your bedside and you praying to receive the, receive the gospel, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the moment the Lord uses. Maybe it was someone coming up to you at work, a friend, a family, a relative or neighbor coming up to you through the prompting of the Holy Spirit and sharing the gospel and God had prepared you for that moment and on that day you believe. I know some of you, because you've told me your testimony before, believe that at a, at a, at a church service, believed at a revival meeting of some sort. And so God saves people in all sorts of ways, but, but we need to realize that he does save people through ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit, following the Spirit's prompting and listening to the Holy Spirit and carrying the gospel to where the Lord leads. So this is a story like every other. How does the gospel spread? Yes, it can spread in large groups, But here we see the gospel going from one ear to the other, one one mouth to one ear, and then the Ethiopian going home rejoicing. By the way, some of the greatest early church fathers came out of Africa. Did you know that? People like Augustine and folks like that came out of this place where this Ethiopian would have returned to. And so the gospel goes often one person to another as one person tells another person and that person places their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is wild for me to think about. Because those first believers told other believe, other people at Pentecost and they believed, and other people told other people, and then those people told other people, and then people like Paul went down to Philippi, and the gospel made it to Europe, and then it made it to All the way across to other ears and other ears, and then the gospel made it across the ocean, and then it made it to our ears. And so the reason the gospel made it to your ears is because one person told another person about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and those people believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? But the gospel, as they say, is, is always at risk of, of dying off in a generation if one generation stops telling the gospel because that's the way God has ordained the gospel to spread from one person to another as believers tell other about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Philip is doing here. And so while it's a unique moment, it's often the way the gospel spreads most commonly And so in much of Acts, we've witnessed this great number of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But in this scene, we see the conversion of a city, not of a city, but of one. So that's how the gospel spread. Who will get the gospel there? How's the gospel going to get there? By what means is the gospel going to get there? Certainly there are evangelistic events. Certainly there are ways and strategies to share the gospel. One I've shared with you often is the three circles. You can look that up. There's an app for that, a simple way to share the gospel through talking points and things like that. And certainly, we don't need the Spirit to tell us to share the gospel. Jesus has already commissioned to do, us to do that. But, but how does the gospel? By us proclaiming it from one person to the next. But notice this. Notice Philip. Let's notice a few things about Philip. So while there's a unique story, I believe we can see an example of Philip here that gets us to understand what God has called us to do. One, here's what we see. So by what means... He uses spirit-filled people, spirit-filled saints, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that Philip was in tune with the Spirit. The Spirit said to Philip, go, and Philip ran and went, it says in verse 29. Go to that chariot, it said, Philip ran to him and heard what this guy was reading, as would have been common in that day for people to read out loud. The angel of the Lord told Philip in verse 26 to rise and go towards the south. Verse 27, and he arose and went. Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit. It said that in Acts chapter 6. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. He was responding to the Holy Spirit. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit, but when the Spirit prompted him to go somewhere, he went. To go to someone, he went. To proclaim the gospel, he proclaimed it. And maybe you're Wondering, how can I know if the Spirit is prompting me to do that? Here's one quick way that I realize the Spirit is prompting me to do that. If you are prompted to share the gospel with someone, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not you. Because in our sinfulness, we would not be prompted to do something like that. But if you are prompted to minister to someone, if you're prompted to reach out to someone, that's the work of the Holy Spirit who is guiding you to do that. Don't quench that, but go. And even as Philip did, run Philip was in tune with the Holy Spirit. So by what means does the gospel go? Spirit-filled saints who are filled with the Spirit and in tune with the Spirit. I think there's something else implied here that we see throughout Philip's life. We we see that in Acts chapter 6 and, and 7 as Philip's introduced to us in Acts chapter 8. That Philip had a heart for people. I really believe Philip had a heart for people. That's one of the reasons he was set aside in Acts chapter 6. Because the widows were being neglected, and as they're going through these men in the church, who to set aside of good repute, filled with the Spirit and and very wise people, likely they did not. This argument from silence a little bit. Likely they did not set aside people who did not love people, or did not care about the outcast, or did not care about the hurting. Philip was in tune with the Spirit, and Philip loved people. He had a heart for people. And so if you don't love people, if you don't have a heart for people, you're going to have a hard time telling them the greatest news in all the world and caring about them enough to tell them about the gospel. Philip was in tune with the Spirit. By what means? Spiritful people who are in tune with the Spirit, who have this God-given love for people. And notice something else about Philip. He uses questions. This gets very practical here. So he hears what he's reading. Look at verse 30 filled with the Spirit, love for people. He heard him reading Isaiah. That would have been common for this guy to be reading out loud. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? This is the power of asking questions. Look, you're you're teed up this week, okay? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The softball is there because what's coming up next Sunday? Easter. You can ask a question. What What are your Easter plans? You're in a spiritual conversation. Just like that. One question and you're there. You're having a conversation. And maybe they don't have plans for church. And guess what? You can invite them. Maybe they don't believe what God accomplished on the cross in Jesus Christ. And, and you can have that conversation with someone this week by asking one simple question. Philip was teed up for the eunuch. He was reading this. and Do you understand what you're reading? And they got into a conversation about prophet, the prophet Isaiah and who this was talking about. Philip simply used questions. He cared enough about people to go to them. And he cared enough about this Ethiopian eunuch to simply ask a question. Hey man, do you understand what you're reading? Hey, what are you? What, what are your Easter plans? What are, what are you doing? You're in a spiritual conversation. Notice something else about Philip, the spirit-filled man who loved Jesus. I mean, who loved uh, people who asked questions. Philip got to Jesus. That's crucial. It's not good news unless you tell him about Christ, because that Jesus is. He is the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus saves sinners. So he explains what the prophet is saying. Look at verse thirty-five. Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning with the script, with this scripture, so he uses scripture. He understands scripture. The spirit speaks to him through scripture. The spirit speaks through the scripture. He uses the scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. He got to Jesus. Spirit-filled folks get to Jesus. Saints filled with. The spirit, but don't miss the gospel spreads by what means through you and I, spirit-filled people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been sealed with the Spirit. But you're not doing it on your own, not by might, not by power, not by slick presentations, not by falling into these teed-up situations all the time, not by your own thoughts or by your own slickness or your own way to powerfully share the God, All those are wonderful. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit declares the Lord. So how does the gospel go forth? It goes through spirit-filled people, but it goes through spirit-filled people. It's the spirit that directed Philip here. It's the spirit that was preparing a divinely appointed meeting between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. You have to start asking the question, who's the Spirit preparing for a conversation today? And where will the Spirit lead me in that path that God has ordained me to walk in? The Spirit was preparing for this meeting in this desert place with this Ethiopian eunuch. in case you're wondering, is this the Spirit's leading? They were in a desert place. They probably should not have met here, but they did because the Spirit was doing it. And the Spirit was not only preparing this moment, the Spirit was preparing that person. This Ethiopian had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was a God-fearing man, but had not yet believed in Christ. This Ethiopian eunuch somehow ended up with a copy of the, which most people would not have that at the time, had a copy of the prophet Isaiah. And he wasn't opened up to some kind of crazy pastor that was difficult to understand. He was opened up to Isaiah chapter 53. This was a prepared moment by, in a, with a prepared person all done by the holy spirit follow the spirit's lead see where he prompts you see where he leads you and as he does get the conversation to jesus how far does the gospel go that's the last question i want to ask how far does the gospel go something that's becoming clearer and clearer as we go through the book of acts the Great Commission is being fulfilled by the power of the Spirit. First to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. A place like Ethiopia in those times would be considered the ends of the world. And uh, By the way, the prophet Isaiah often used uh, the, the name C-U-S-H. You'll see, you can search that if you ever look at the, the, the prophet Isaiah. And that was the place that in this time they would know as Ethiopia. And there were prophecies... Like this, that the this Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11, that the gospel would go to places like Cush and all those far off places would believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So not only does he get to Christ, but he sees that fulfilled in his midst because he's the Ethiopian and the gospel is going to the ends of the world through this man, through this Ethiopian who Philip met in this desert place. So how far will the gospel go? It's wherever he takes us and he will take us to the ends of the world. That's good news. Share the gospel with whoever Lord puts in your path, and who knows whether whether he'll He'll take them and where He'll take you. Not only does this gospel go to all places, this gospel goes to all people. Let me say something else about this Ethiopian, that he likely felt like an outcast. Even though he was of great importance, He was like the secretary of the treasury or something. He was in charge of the money. Important dude. Had a lot of money, had a lot of resources, had a lot of prominence. But even someone like him, according to Jewish law, would not be able to go into the temple at all. Maybe some synagogues, not even to the Gentiles because he was a eunuch. And Deuteronomy says that they can't even go into the temple. They were considered to be an outcast. But something we've seen in Acts so far is that the gospel goes to the rich. We even see that with Lydia. The poor, the religious, even people like the magician Simon, even though it seems like he didn't believe, the gospel still goes to them. The Jew, the Gentile, it goes not only to all places and far off places, the gospel goes to far off people. People who are considered outcasts. Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is not one who is too good for the gospel. And there is not one who is too bad that the gospel can not save. Derek Thomas remarks in his commentary on this passage, he says, There is much evidence to suggest that men like this Ethiopian became eunuchs, in order to acquire prestigious positions. And some may relate. Maybe you're spending your life trying to elevate yourself in order to find prestige and worth and and value, whether through morality or working your way up the ladder of whatever it might be. You're trying to make something of yourself through this prestigious position, and you're willing to make all of these sacrifices in order to achieve this position. If I could only be good enough, but even this one who is high up is not too good and absolutely needs the gospel. And maybe that's you this morning, that you've been trying to earn your way to prestige, to position, or whatever else. And the truth is, is that you don't need to just add Jesus to your life or need to add worship to your life. You need a whole new life. And you receive that, as this Ethiopian eunuch did, by believing in the Christ. By believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian, he was in a particular place. He had been previously prepared. He was seeking, but he needed someone to tell him that Jesus can change your life. That Jesus doesn't just come to make your life better. He doesn't just come in to do a little bit of cleanup. He comes in and completely makes you new. Here's the good news of the gospel. The gospel goes to the ends of the earth and the gospel goes to the depths of our soul. And here's the truth, is that we must respond. We must respond to the gospel. This Ethiopian responded on the spot and he was was baptized. I'm going public with this. I want people to know that I am following Christ and he is sent on mission, rejoicing all the way back to Ethiopia. He was not denied the sign of the inward the the outward sign of the inward reality that happened to him. Yes, you too can be baptized. You too are part of the family of faith. And the Ethiopian went home rejoicing, though he had once been considered an outsider. So what does this passage tell us? It tells us a lot. It tells us that God is at work through a spirit calling people and preparing people to hear the good news. It tells us that we are sent... And we are sinners who need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells us that we don't need to quench the spirit, but we need to follow the prompts of the spirits. We need to cling to the promises of God that the gospel goes deep. It saves to the uttermost. It saves you to the uttermost. And even to that person who thinks they're good enough or thinks they're too far off, the gospel can save their souls and will save their souls as well for all who believe. Like Philip, we need to go wherever he leads. And like the Ethiopian, we need to search the Scriptures and seek to know Jesus in the Scriptures. Maybe that's where you are this morning and we're telling you it's about Christ. Maybe you need to believe. We see some commands in this passage. We need to go and tell. But we're not saved by coming to church. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to go public. We need to be baptized. We haven't done that already, to declare to the world that Jesus saves sinners. The Spirit takes them to a place and then to a person. How does that look for you? Where's the Spirit going to lead you this week? And who will he put in your path? Let's pray.